0: You're listening to Bethany Radio. More content is available on iTunes or online at BethanyBibleLeroy.com. Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. Would you pray with me again? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for those that you inspired to record the accounts of, well, even from the beginning, even in Genesis and all through just the accounts of what you're doing in creation and for mankind and for your glory. We thank you for this opportunity. Father, we recognize that um, even as Moses said, he was unqualified, but you reminded him, you make the mouth. So, Father, as I speak, I pray that you would um, guard my words, that they would reflect your truth. You are the one who gives ears to hear and eyes to see. And we trust you for that this morning, that your name would be praised. We do pray for Mike and and Hannah and and the, and the kids as they're away, and we pray that this time uh, would be a, a peaceful and restful time for them. We thank you for uh, his his work and his service uh, to the to the body here at Bethany. We give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> so, as we look at this, uh, we can see right off in verse eight that. Um, the gospel is not pointed at um, the religious elite or, or the scholarly. Um, it comes to all people. It says in the same region there were shepherds. Well, I don't know if that was a crush uh, on the ego of the scribes and the Pharisees, um, but uh, these, these shepherds likely didn't have um, opportunity to hear a lot of, of Scripture um, pretty doubtful that they had any written scriptures with them that was very rare um, but another thing I don't think that the, the, um, the scribes or the Pharisees, the religious leaders in that day probably spent much effort um, taking the word out to these shepherds where they were in uh, a desolate place doing their job uh, I think Mike uh, mentioned last week that uh, it might be weeks or months that they were out um, moving the flock from one place to another to, uh, to to keep fresh feed ahead of ahead of the sheep. Um, but uh, regardless of the shepherd's um, knowledge of the scriptures, uh, they had an account, uh, an encounter with angel, the angel of the Lord. And in it, this is the third time in Luke's um, uh, book here that we see, an angel greeting, um, and everyone that we see greeting this the angel is fearful, and, and the angel has to tell him, "Don't be afraid." Um, Luke one eleven, the angel of the Lord uh, met Zachariah um, and told him of the son that Elizabeth would be having, and uh, uh, who would be John the Baptist. And then in Luke uh, one twenty eight, uh, the angel Gabriel meets Mary. And uh, it says, she was greatly troubled. Um, but in both accounts, the angel of the Lord says, do not be afraid. So in Luke 2.9, uh, the angel of the Lord, we can assume Gabriel, uh, appeared to the shepherds. and uh, But included with this appearing is the glory of the Lord shining around them, and they are terrified. Um I want to give you an idea why they might have been terrified. Um, You can turn, if you like, uh, to Exodus 19, but I'll read it for you here. Um, uh, Excuse me, Exodus 24. Exodus 24, beginning in verse 15, it says, Then Moses went up on the mountain, and the cloud covered the mountain. And the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain in the sight of all of the people of Israel. So I don't know if if it's safe to assume, I think so, that the glory of the Lord, that these shepherds were terrified, uh, might be similar to this glory of the Lord uh, that was like a devouring fire on top of the mountain. Um, nevertheless, um, they're terrified and, and rightfully so. Uh, but verse ten says, "Fear not, for I, I bring, behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people." Um, this is for all nations of people, not just the Jews. Um, God's call on Abraham in Genesis uh, twelve three. He says, "In you all." the nations of the world will be blessed. Why were there the different people groups anyway? Well, we know from uh, Genesis 11, the Tower of Babel, um, man was, was focused on man's ideas, man's glory. Um, and, to, and to disrupt that, God confused the languages. And uh, they no longer worked together, but they uh, were forced to do as, as he had commanded earlier. And, and spread out throughout the, the world and populate the earth, filling, uh, filling the earth uh, with his image bearers. Um, but it's true. Mankind uh, originated from one creation, Adam, made uh, in the image of God, given breath um, by God to live. And then Genesis 2.21, uh, God causes Adam to fall into a deep sleep. And while he sleeps, God takes a rib from his side, and out of that rib God made, or the Hebrew word there is built, a woman. Scripture doesn't expound on how God took this curved bone from Adam and turned it into a a living, breathing uh, female, but it does make it very clear that all of mankind has the same origin, and that means we all have the same sin problem. So with that understanding, here's a couple reasons why uh, this announcement, this good news of great joy that will be for all people, is truly good news. First off, it announces a fulfillment of many Old Testament prophecies, uh, beginning with Genesis 3.15. Okay, So after Adam and Eve sin, uh, sin entered the world, the curse came upon them, um, God gives a promise of, of, of hope that, this curse will be reversed and the deceiver, Satan, will be crushed by the offspring of the woman. So this, this uh, Genesis 3.15, we're seeing the fulfillment in the birth of Christ uh, through the offspring of the woman. Second, uh, the reason this is good news, and we see this in verse 11, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Mankind needed a Savior. Adam and Eve's sinful disobedience and the curse that followed affected all of creation. And uh, even even in Exodus, after the giving of the law, um, we see man's best intentions. Um, The law had been given the words of God have been spoken to the people. And uh, in Exodus um, 24.3 and again in 24.7, uh, it says that all the people answered with one voice, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do and we will obey. So did they? Were they obedient? Well, we have the benefit of the Old Testament record. Um, and no, they were not they were not faithful to what God had commanded. Uh, they needed a Savior. They had the commandments and the laws, and if it was a leader or if it was reminding that they needed, uh, they had uh, leaders and prophets like Moses and Aaron. Uh, they had Joshua and Caleb and Samuel. They had judges and kings, but all failed to be sinless leaders and to save the people from their sins. Hebrews three two says that Moses was faithful in all God's house, but we know he wasn't sinless. Moses had an anger issues, and in Numbers twenty, even after his personal encounter with God, and God calling him, this holy God calling him to lead the people of Israel out of Egypt, um, we see him lose his temper. And strike the rock when he had been told to speak to the rock. And he failed, the Lord said he failed to uphold him as holy before the eyes of the people. So, fallen man needs more than a helper, he needs a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Again, in Hebrews uh, chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. Therefore, holy brothers, you who share in a heavenly calling, consider Jesus the apostle and high priest of our confession, who was faithful to him, who appointed him, just as Moses also was faithful in all God's house. For Jesus has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, as much more glory as the builder of a house has more honor than the house itself. For every house is built by someone but the builder of all things is God. Now Moses was faithful in all God's house as a servant to testify to the things that were to be spoken later. But Christ is faithful over God's house as a son, and we are his house if indeed we hold fast our confidence and our boasting in our hope. Our only hope, our only confidence is for God's son, his true son, Jesus, to do perfectly and faithfully what we cannot do on our own. Now, God does provide us with a helper to obey his commands, but it's only received by those who through faith are in Christ Jesus. If, you, if you'd if like, turn with me to the book of John. Chapter 14. In verse 15 through 17 Jesus is speaking here he says if you love me you will keep my commandments and i will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him but you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you paul adds sort of a nail to the coffin of the flesh in Romans 8, verses 9 through 11. He says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if, in fact, the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the Spirit is life because of righteousness." If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So what am I saying? <clears throat> am I saying there's nothing for the believer to do? There's no responsibility? Well, regarding his salvation, no. Salvation belongs to the Lord, Psalm says. And He alone is my rock and my salvation. Psalm 62.2 says. See, the Savior does the saving. And that's why the birth of the Savior, who is Christ the Lord, is such good news. It wasn't a command to try harder and don't mess it up this time. This is good news for anyone burdened with laws and rules and failure and judgment. This is really good news. Jesus said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So what about God's righteous laws and commands? What about His judgments and His wrath? Did God change His mind? Or change His righteous nature? No. No, God does not change, nor can He lie. No, He is faithful and just in His righteousness. And in verse 12, we see Him fulfilling His promise. The promise that He made in Genesis 3.15 that the offspring of the woman would crush the head of the deceiver, Satan, in the form of the serpent. And this will be a sign for you, verse 12 says. A sign that fulfills the word of Isaiah In uh, Isaiah 7.14, I think Mike referenced this last week. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. I think it's another sign of God's mission in how this baby, how this gift comes. This is a mission of peace. And why is that significant? Well, because fallen man and a holy God, there's still an interaction problem there. And the solution is the Prince of Peace. And we find this baby says he's wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Again looking back to this God who doesn't change and His encounter with the people in Exodus. Exodus 19, verses 10 through 18. The Lord said to Moses, "'Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people.'" their garments, And he said to the people, be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God, and they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire, and the smoke went up like the smoke of a kiln and the whole mountain trembled greatly. So this God, who is a consuming fire, put on flesh as a baby and was to be found not wrapped in fire and smoke, wrapped in rags and lying in a manger, approachable, humble. If God had not humbled himself in the form in which he came, that haymanger and barn would have been toast if he had come the same way he came to the mountain. There's a song, Hark the Herald Angels Sing. i had intended actually to have the the verses up here, but um, it says, Mild he laid his glory by. Christ had the same glory as the Father. But he laid that aside and humbly came to earth in obedience to the Father. Verse 13, we see that this angel was joined with a multitude of the heavenly host. And the angels and the heavenly host get it right. Just as I had read Psalm 148, The opening verses of of that psalm say, Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord from the heavens. Praise Him in the heights. Praise Him, all His angels. Praise Him, all His hosts. What are they praising Him for? What are they saying? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom He's pleased. Glory to God in the highest. Certainly the salvation and redemption of fallen man is a work of Almighty God. All glory and praise belong to him. Then the announcement of peace among those with whom he is pleased. Who is he pleased with? Why is he pleased with them? Just the next chapter over, chapter 3 of Luke, we see Jesus uh, being baptized. And at his baptism, the Father's voice from heaven states of Jesus, You are my beloved Son. With you I am well pleased. Why is he pleased with his Son? Well, we know that he's was sinlessly obedient to the will of the Father. Again, we have the advantage of the New Testament. We see his obedience, his faithfulness to accomplish the works, the salvation work of God. But for me, this creates a problem. Because I know, I for one, am not always sinlessly obedient to the will of the Father. Are we back to performance-based acceptance? He loves me. He loves me not. He loves me. He loves me not. He's pleased with me. He's not pleased with me. I so appreciate what Paul writes to the in his letter to the Ephesian church. Ephesians 1. 3-6, through six. Paul writes, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before Him. In love, He predestined us for adoptions as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. Beloved is capitalized there. It's the same as it is when, when God the Father says, this is my Son, my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. So He is pleased. Pleased with those who are in Christ. Because of His love, He predestined us for adoptions, adoption as sons and daughters through His true Son, His beloved Son, Jesus Christ. So earlier I asked the question, if all this good news means that there's nothing for the believer to do. Again, the Savior does the saving. But the helper does the helping. I want us to look again at Romans 8, this time verses 12 through 15. Romans 8, beginning in verse 12 through 15. So then, brothers and sisters, we are debtors not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit are, are all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the Spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the Spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Do you hear what this is saying? Those who have truly believed this good news and received the Savior, Jesus, will not continue to joyfully gratify the desires of the flesh. Paul says that if you do, if you, if you joyfully continue to sin and gratify the desires of the flesh, the Spirit is not not within you and you will die even for the believer God has not changed his mind about sin but he has given us the helper his spirit living within us empowering us to put to death the deeds of the flesh and we will live see this is not performance-based acceptance This is acceptance-based performance. On the basis of Christ saving me by His righteousness, I have been empowered by His Spirit to live a life pleasing to Him. That's the gospel of peace. That's the good news. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for this truth. What you have preserved in Scripture. I pray that we would be given even a deeper understanding than what my shallow words here proclaim. We thank you for your mercy and grace. We know that you do not deal with us the way we deserve but through the mercy and grace of your son you are patient and kind and have given us his righteousness we pray that in this year as we desire to live lives pleasing for you that we would draw near to you draw our strength from your spirit and we give you all the praise and the glory and the honor in Jesus name. Amen.